Welcome to the Unmachine Yourself podcast, facilitated by Hatch and hosted by me, Rowan van Forst. I'm a futures anthropologist, and in this series, I get to speak with CEOs, managers of big corporates, thought leaders about the future of work and leadership. Have fun. Marike Ijskoot is a sustainable fashion and lifestyle expert and puts contemporary conscious living on the map. She is a sought-after TEDx speaker, event presenter, consultant, and co-founder of international fair fashion trade show Mint. She's also the author of modern handbook This is a Good Guide for a sustainable lifestyle filled with practical and positive tips regarding fair fashion, clean beauty, real food, eco-travel, and a low-impact home. She's empowering citizens to make their choice matter. Her book has an adult and a youth version, and we'll talk about both of them, and has sold over 30,000 copies worldwide. She has also initiated worldwide movement called Sustainability Against Shame, and there's a hashtag in front of that, putting a spotlight on how we're being shamed into buying more and more, which not only makes us feel bad, she says, about ourselves, but makes us treat the planet badly too. And now this is the first intriguing thing about this conversation, I hope, Marike. How on earth is it possible that if you say that buying less is the future, that companies are still inviting you to talk with them and be their consultant? You'll have to explain me during this conversation. I will. All right. Uh, but I want to start with something really different, um, an icebreaker, so to speak. We always start with the same question because we're talking so much about the future today. Mm. I'm super curious about your past. What did you want to be when you were a very little Marika? Well, it's not that different, actually, because I wanted to be a newsreader. Hmm. That's what my dream was for all of my youth, I think, is to be the person inside of the television telling us what's going on in the world. And then in your mind, was that news as in important news, things that mattered? Yeah, so... Unless we know what's going on, we can't change it, right? So we need to know what's happening in order to be able to do something about it and make a difference. And I really wanted to be the person who would tell us all, what's going on? We need to know what's happening. And of course, in a way, I sort of still do that with you know, writing books and giving lectures and doing talks about you know, everything that's happening behind our clothes or gadgets or you know, the whole world uh, is there for us also to sort of take in our hands and change. And can you explain us a little bit, can you take us back a little bit to the moment where you decided you would roll into fair fashion? It wasn't necessarily so much of a conscious choice in that sense that I was looking for a way to make more impact. I was working in uh, television at that time um, because I'd studied film and television studies because I wanted to become a newsreader, you see. You were actually so on the track. I was actually sort of doing it. But then on the side, I was doing lots of voluntary work. For instance, for the Green, Green Left movement here in Amsterdam, I was also volunteering as a television maker for young sick children in hospital, those kinds of things. And I really felt that the work I was doing on the side, for me, was more worthwhile than the thing I was actually doing, like television making as a job. So that felt wrong to me, that the thing I was putting sort of most of my energy in was actually a side hustle, if you like. So I was trying to change my life around and looking for a job or work that would really make my main day part of the movement. So I was applying for lots of jobs um, and 
I gave myself half a year to sort of make that change and worked as a baker in between. Uh, or to be full of talent you are <laughs> well and yeah I've always I, I was always when I was younger I was thinking I'm either going to be a baker or a newsreader and my parents wouldn't let me go to bakery school because they felt I should work with my brain and that I would probably become bored after a while doing something with my hands they were probably right but then when I was looking for a job I felt like I could try that at least I'll become to become like um I don't know, learn how to bake, mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting. A whole different story, that is. <laughs> we'll do that some other time. Um, but so it took me months and months to sort of apply for jobs, find things. And then, of course, it happens that you get like three or four offers all at once. Mm -hmm. So it's either nothing It's always or, the big test, oh, right? Oh, it's so interesting. You're on that wave, all or nothing kind of wave. So um, I got offered uh, a couple of jobs and chose to work for an organization called the Clean Clothes Campaign to improve working conditions in the global garment industry because so many important and interesting things come together there. We can't live without clothes. They give us a way to sort of walk out of our doors every day. Um, it's very women's rights based because 80% of women making up, of people making our clothes are women. Um, it's very economical, of course. There's a whole world of you know, big companies, and this also has a lot to do with workers' rights and rights violations and unions and all that. So there's so much coming together, which I thought was fascinating. So that's how I sort of rolled into the world of um, the garment industry. And I was really lucky to have done that as a first step because it gave me the opportunity to travel around the world and visit factories and workers everywhere who actually produce our clothes and work with them to improve their conditions because, of course, they know best. We can't just sit here in our luxury sort of Western world saying, you know, this needs to change. They know it's their lives. So I got to learn from, you know, the people there, which yeah, has really the changed. Experts, yes, yeah. which really changed my perspective. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a point where you decided to tell their story or to tell your shared story, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and become more of a thought leader, perhaps, there uh, to, to get on stage, to write books, yeah. etc. So you became an entrepreneur, you could say. What did you have to learn there? Or were you a natural talent? Oh, well, it's always a bit hard to sort of say about yourself, maybe. But the reason I did it is because I got so many questions mm. from people. So I sort of, I was working for this NGO, the Clean Clothes Campaign. Um, and I've worked there for over 10 years and or about 10 years. And in that time, a big shift happened. Because when I started working there, people were like, Clean club. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to work for, I don't know, a, a dry cleaners or something? Yeah, exactly. You know, people really didn't know what the issues were. Whereas in the course of that, say, 10 years, that decade, a lot of that changed. People started realizing a lot more what the world behind our clothes is and how they are being made. And they want to know, what can I do? And this NGO, the organization, was really geared towards helping workers, changing their lives and putting pressure on companies to change and also on better laws. Not necessarily to sort of give citizens and consumers options of where to buy or how to change their behavior. So I really felt that there was a bit of a gap there because I got so many questions from people asking... From the consumers. Yes, yeah. so what can we do? Where can I buy? What do I look out for? You know, how do I contribute to change here? Yeah. So I felt that was something that was really needed and I couldn't necessarily, you know, do something with at the position I was in. So, and then there was also huge pay cuts because we got into a more right-wing government, a state that we are at 
at that point now again. Uh, and one of the first things they did was to cut many of the subsidies of all NGOs, not just us. And that meant quite a few people, about four or five maybe, had to leave unless you would just take those cuts and just have lots of people but no money to do anything, right? So I was like, and I was one of the people there who was there the longest. So I was in that little team thinking about how to deal with those cuts. And I was like, well, we need to lose four or five people. And then you're going to put yourself on the top of that list, right? You're not going to say, well, you and you and you, goodbye, and just stay. Also, I had a really good idea of what I could do and no family. So as in no, me, no, no kids children. to look after. Yeah. Yes. And that felt like a very different role and responsibility from maybe some people who had to care for others more than I had to. Yeah. So I felt that I could take that leap and leave and just try and see if I could then start answering all these questions and take that role as an independent professional. Yeah. And that's when I started out as an entrepreneur, if you like. Very interesting. And yeah. then what did you have to learn still, you think, before you went to be an actual entrepreneur? It's still something I'm learning, I mm -hmm. think, is promoting yourself. Mm. Really different from being part of an organization where you're promoting the goal and the, the name of the organization and what they're doing as to promoting yourself. I mean, my name is now on the every... brand, yes. right? Yeah. And that is, for me, still something I struggle with now and again yeah. um, and really have to learn to deal with better, maybe. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I am... I think the quality of my work is really important because that, of course, is the quality of who I am. My name is on everything, if it's a book or a lecture or, you know, something you see on socials. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time also perf on perfecting books or lectures or all of the things I do. Um, and I still find it really difficult to have to promote for instance, buying my book, I all too often say, you can also get it secondhand or borrow it or someone might have it for you. You need to really sort of, you know, promote yourself. And I find that quite daunting sometimes. Yeah, and I guess especially in these times, um, you, ca you can't do without Instagram or you can't no. do... No, yeah. and there's a lot there to, to you know, to celebrate because yeah. I've learned and experienced and, you know, met so many new people. It's amazing. But then sometimes it's also quite difficult I can even feel sometimes quite invisible hmm. even though you know I write books and I give lectures you know when the algorithm is against you or when you know there's a moment for instance now I've launched two books in COVID time which is not something I would probably you know recommend to anyone no. <laughs> because I mean yeah it just it's very different there's you need to fight so hard for a spot like online and yeah it is um and I'm on my own so I'm, people often assume that there's a whole team called Marika Eiskot they then send me emails like hello representative of Marika Eiskot can you ask, could you possibly ask her if she'd like to and I'm like hey I'll ask her mm -hmm. <laughs> um so that's that's just me really mm -hmm. and then it can be a lot and I can sort of feel that others maybe sort of play that Instagram game a lot better or, mm. you know, are a lot better at, I don't know, either the technical or the promotional side of it. Um, it's interesting because at the same time, and I think you, you know this very well because you use hashtag sustainability against mm. shame, mm. and then it becomes, you know, you just make up a hashtag. Yes. You make up posts about it and sure. then it becomes an international movement. And <laughs> yes. You have people all over the world who are reposting and reusing this hashtag. So it does give all yeah. the opportunities for even one person. Absolutely. To, it does, yeah. which is the amazing thing about it. So it's very liberating in that sense and, and very empowering. At the same time, um, 
I know now after, for instance, having reached over 10,000 followers, which is not that much in the whole world, but still also a lot, I feel I'm really grateful that 10,000 mm -hmm. people or now 12 and a half or something have clicked, you know, follow this person. She's interesting. Yeah. It's amazing. All 12 and a half thousands of you. Thank you so much. That's a real honor. But Instagram wants you to pay, right, for sharing your stuff. So the bigger you get the smaller your engagement gets, mm. for sure. So you need to fight harder and push more and do lots of things and make reels and learn all of these things. And I'm really trying, but I sometimes do sort of struggle to get things out there. And I'm sure that's not just me. I mean, there's whole no. generations of us, I think, really, you know, trying to deal with, um, yeah, how to make yourself heard amongst Yeah, and I think everything. especially in your case, um, because it always struck me when I look at your career that you've always been a person of the content. Yeah. You know, you really know that if you hire you for a lecture or if you read your book, then it's well-researched. And so the more time you have to spend on per kind of PRing yourself, yes. either you overwork yourself in the other th side of the spectrum or the less you can do there. Yeah. Um, but... Before we go to sustainability against shame, because mm. I, I do think that's a very interesting aspect of the future. Thank you. you said something about a transition that companies made, right? You said, when I started in clothing industry, and as you see, we're here in the atelier mm. of Ambasha Blanca, mm. who's a wonderful fashion designer yeah. with wonderful clothing um, designs hanging here. And very fair fashion, I'd say. Um, You said, when I was beginning, none of the companies or none of the people I spoke to probably knew what was going on in the fashion industry. Very Nowadays, yeah. it's, it's much better known. Yeah. Would you say that if you look 10 years further ahead, would the transition still be going on? Is there still a big change going on? Yes, I think we're a little bit at the crossroads from knowing to doing. So I'd say maybe 10, 15 years ago, we just didn't know much about everything that was happening and the exploitation and the low wages and the environmental consequences and all of this. Now, of course, we're in the age of being able to know almost everything. If you look for it, there's a lot of information. It's available to us. Um, and we're also hopefully not always believing everything all companies say. Uh, because, of course, it's very en vogue now to use, you know, words such as sustainable, natural, um, all of those things. Eco, they need to eco. Yeah. They need to back it up, like for real, and be very credible with it. And they need to show um, how they can really sustain a claim like that. And this doesn't um, only go for fashion, right? It's no. for products in Oh, general. gosh, it's everything we buy. Yeah. It's everything we use. It's It's our entire world, you know, from our gadgets to our food to, you know, our bikes, our cars our clothes, everything. Um, I still feel it's really, really strange that we can purchase products in shops that are being made through exploitation of others. How is it possible that we accept our clothes or our, you know, our food or anything being made elsewhere by people just like us in a way that we would not accept for ourselves at all? But it's okay for them. Why? Because it's such a coincidence that we were born here in this you know, circumstance with everything we've got going for us, whether it's, you know, a really good economy, uh, very positive weather, even though we don't always like the rain, a lot grows here. We have, of course, a democracy, women's rights, um, uh, workers' rights. We have so many things that we didn't do anything for. People, you know, of course, in earlier gen generations fought for this, but I was handed all of this just on a silver platter and I was born here by coincidence. So I don't earn this more. I don't 
you know, there's no more right for me than for anyone else. So I really feel that I need to use everything that I've been given by birth for free to sort of make that balance fairer. Um, but then you say, you know, if, if we say eco-labels, greenwashing is fashionable. Yes. We also see more companies, I feel, that are actually trying actually to something. do their best, yes. right? Yes, so it's really hard to distinguish yeah. between those two. So what we need is laws, mm. is where I was going, actually, with mm. this. What I really feel is that it needs to be made illegal, actually, mm. to produce in a way that exploits people and the planet for profit. How come that's actually allowed? When we think about that, I think that is just completely uh, wrong. Can you foresee a f future then where our children would look back at us and say, this was really This was weird. odd. Yes. You could just walk into a store and buy something that was made, you know, by exploiting someone, just paying them almost nothing, having to work 16 hours a day. Can you believe it? Yes. That's where we need to go. And I already sort of see the contours of that being sketched. Um, there's work in our um, government even about sort of proposing laws around this. There's been work about child, children's labour, child child labour already, but it needs to happen on a European level at least. That no, that none of these products that were made by different standards than our own can access the European market because there needs to be a level playing field yeah. for all companies. And I think that's really important. There are quite a few companies actually campaigning for that, so, such as Tony's, uh, the chocolate brand. There's a few more and some parliamentarians who are really campaigning for this. Uh, I think the Netherlands should become a real spokesperson for this change because we're always really sort of um, proud of our international court in The Hague and, you know, all of that. But we are being very, very, I'd say, um, we are following um, business leads a lot. There's a lot of lobbying going on and that's a Especially strong, I think, for the Netherlands, and we are very. Well, you, you can maybe remember that with Unilever, the big company that we were willing to change our tax laws for just to keep them in the Netherlands. So we are a country that really sort of follows companies more than citizens' rights, I think, and people's rights all over the world. Yeah, and that needs to really change. And then I remember you at some point. Mm -hmm. I think you explained this somewhere where you said, if I am a consultant for, say, a clothing company, if yeah. I help them think about how can you do better, yeah. then, for example, you give them the advice to have, I don't know, used material, used goods and offer that to your customers or have repair things. Or sure. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because otherwise it seems like if I were a company yeah. starting now, I would almost think nothing that I do is, is good because I also want well, to sell, right? that is the first question. I mean, I don't do that much uh, company consulting anymore because I really only want to work with companies who are very uh, genuine mm -hmm. about this. My first question always is, does your company need to exist? <laughs> do we need this, what you offer? Is it already there? Does it really add something that will improve our lives, that will be innovative, that will make a real difference, or is it more of the same? We're already producing way more than we can afford to on this planet and um, really using people as a workforce, as machines all over the world. Do we need more of that? Or are you going to provide something that so will actually help us? So this is something that us? a new company should first ask question, itself. Always. It's always my first question. And if I can't really sort of feel it, the realness of the answer, that I'm not even going there. Um, but what if the company says... Yes, we yes. make clothing. Yes. There's already a lot of clothing. <laughs> yeah. But like you say in the beginning, um, we do need to wear something. We can't yes. just go out naked. So perhaps it's legitimate to yes. say yes. Maybe it's legit, yes. Um, 
then still you say, if we look at the future, if we look at the now, hmm. we need to move beyond greenwashing. Yeah, you have so, to be yeah. both transparent and yeah. you have to be really fair with the workers. And very honest about it. Because I think the problem with a lot of communication, both on social media and just in general, is that it's all very, let's say, um, positive, amazing. Like we're doing an amazing job. Um, we're all being fantastic. Whereas I think now it's really important to be credible with mm. what you're saying, especially as a company. So, of course, applaud yourself for what you're doing right. Say you're using, you know, 100% organic cotton or you are, you know, working in a World Fair Trade Organization certified company for your factory, for your workers. Please tell us because we need to know. But then also tell us what it is that you're not doing yet and why and how, you know, we can sort of help you on this journey of making those changes. So I want to, I want you to tell me where you are, um, what you're doing right, and what it is that you are still not doing. And are you sensing that, that the world is ready for that, that customers Absolutely. want that? Yes, because again, I think maybe Tony's, the chocolate brand, to sort of stick with the same example maybe, is a really good one, where they started out saying slave-free chocolate. That was way too big of a shoes to sort of put on. They couldn't justify, in the end, that entire claim. So they went, at that point, they've... Uh, changed it now again but they went to on our way to a slave-free chocolate world which is a very interesting difference because you're on a journey then trying to get somewhere and taking us with you but you're not doing it perfect as yet no, no which is really hard i mean this world the way it's been set up the economy um our whole sort of social structure is not yet probably set up for perfection in sustainability and and fair producing so um that's very real it really gives you a good idea of where you're going and they were also always very clear so this we're already doing this is where we're aiming for and this is the journey we're on so being very honest not just transparent but that can sometimes be quite one-sided actually just be really credible with your communication and yeah. just telling us all and I think that really helped them also to become well the biggest chocolate bar brand in the Netherlands now they're yeah. really really popular of course and important there as well which is one of the other questions I always ask companies will you also change the system and not just you know, your own work, which is something that Tony's also really does. They're trying to change the entire chocolate system. So that means everything they do, you can you can dupl duplicate for free. So you can sort of mimic their entire way of working, which is, I think, very important to sort of be a real leader in changing the mm. whole industry, which is also something I will always ask companies. What can you do just to not make change within your own chain, maybe, but for everything to change? How yeah. can you sort of... You know, really, um, yeah, fight for, um, let's say, something bigger than yourself. I think these are actually very good and challenging tips for future leaders of companies, or mm. because if you want to start something or if you want to maintain something, the first question, either you feel it's really not adding something to the world that we really need, or you feel a challenge to make it better or to make it so important that it that it matters which is also fine yes. because then perhaps it may have a place and the second one changing the system mm. i immediately start thinking like how can we do that uh, it's not an easy one because i think you have to think a level higher up yes. than you probably might yes. otherwise outside of your own company yeah. but it might be a nice challenge to yeah. go there so yeah. that maybe a couple of examples might help some yeah. short short ones there's an amazing razor company in the US called Billy 
and their aim is to make the internet and the world furrier and fuzzier because in all advertisements and this might be a bridge to sustainability and shame as well in all advertisements for uh, hair removal products you never see any hair no. Because the taboo on hair is just too big, even for razor blade companies and especially to show women hair. body hair, Absolutely right? yeah. women body hair, but now more and more, as also saw uh, Gillette ad just now, uh, a few days ago, with men, men like sort of shaving pink, everything, their yeah. whole chest, everything. Um, and Billy's aim is to free us all, and you can do whatever the hell you want. With, with your, your body and your hair and have it everywhere you want. So they are the first company I've ever seen that shows pubic hair in their ads, even. Uh, posting about that also resulted in my most liked Instagram post ever. Yeah, where you show your own... Pubic, no, not mine, there. Uh, I've shown somebody hair. Your arm hair, right? Absolutely, yeah. lots of Armpit that. Hair, it's yeah. everywhere. Um, uh, so that's really important. They want to, they say, you be you. You do whatever you want with your hair because there's nothing wrong with it. If you do feel like shaving it because you want to, not because industry, commercials, magazines tell you to, then we are here for you and we've got yeah. these So blades. then they're, they're both um, selling a product. They are. They're also there to make a profit. For sure. But they're also doing something. To with... change your perception. Yeah. of, And also I feel whatever you can do to challenge the norm of what's normal, like what's perceived as normal is often of course, just uh, sort of put into our heads to try and get us to do something, buy something, yeah. often. Yeah. So for us to not be able to have hair anywhere, especially women, or not to be able to sweat, is not something that is a natural thing. I mean, the opposite even, if we don't sweat, we die. So the fact that we're not supposed to sweat and not allowed to sweat has been put into our brains, we've been brainwashed into thinking that, for commercial reasons. Because they can sell deodorant. There yeah. you go. So um, all of these things that are put into our minds that are actually very natural and real, if there's something you can do as a company to sort of challenge your way of thinking about what's normal and use your platform and your agency and your advertising dollars or euros to change our perception and make us more free, yeah. uh, I think that can really add to a different world. Because I think your campaign, Sustainability Against Shame... Mm. Um, it's a movement. It's a movement. Um, you are trying to make people aware of this, right? Mm -hmm. And companies mm -hmm. aware of mm -hmm. this. Like sometimes you're shaming Absolutely. people into buying something. Very or often. You pre, pre, no, you, you recreate, I would say, the beauty norm, for example, yes. or the beauty standard. Yes. Uh, and you could use your influence or your platform in a very different way. But your aim is not to keep people from ever buying anything no, again. Of no, of course, no. Um, my aim is to get people to do whatever it is that they want to do. If that's buying something, do it. If it's to wear lipstick, as I normally do, do it because you like it. Yeah. Not because uh, an advertisement for makeup tells you what you should look like. Mm -hmm. So for me, the freeing aspect of it is actually most important. I think we need to recognize and resist the way those industries and media make us feel in order not to just save ourselves, but the world too because it keeps us sort of imprisoned and uh, creates a very low self-esteem and negative self-image from a very young age, very young age. We're already sort of trapped into thinking that we're not good enough, that our bodies are not good enough, our skin colour, we are either too curvy or too skinny or too tall or too short or, you know, we've got hairs growing everywhere, we're going to get wrinkles, grey hairs, there's so much to worry about, which all of which I'm just saying is just nat natural 
It's fine. There's nothing wrong with us. We are being told that there's something wrong with and us. And that there's a solution. And that there's a solution, which is a product, because that's the only reason we're being told these things, because we need to you know, purchase lots of things to belong and to be happy and to be okay. Yeah, so let me just summarize this, because I think we, we touched on a, many different tips now for mm. leaders and companies also, uh, and for consumers. One is the transparency, to be really honest about what you are trying to do well or better, but also be really honest about things that you are not yet doing well. And I think I heard another female entrepreneur saying recently, like, sometimes I don't make the most sustainable Mm-hmm. option. I don't make the most sustainable choice. And I am honest about that yeah. because sometimes it's just too expensive for what I can afford, for example, but I do note it on my website. And yeah. I think that kind of is similar. So transparency. And then another one is t- thinking about the message that you're spreading. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because some people, sometimes people don't even realize what they're doing with portraying a certain image or writing a certain text that is really there to sort of give me the feeling that I'm not okay. And how great would a world be if companies would sell us things in a way that would make us feel good about ourselves instead of bad, and that we would buy when we need them, as opposed to all the time, always. Because that is just going to, you know, destroy our world. And that's not good for them either, because there's not going to be anything left if we continue this the way we are. So I think it's really important, that's why I made a pledge on my website that companies can sign, which, for instance, Lush has done, to say we are not going to be shaming anymore in the way that we are selling our products. We are going to be very inclusive in the kind of bodies, people, ages, in skin colours, in, our, in our, yeah. the way that we communicate on any platform and in, in any way, both in our language as in our imaging. We're not going to use you know, Photoshop or all of these things to alter and really sort of idealise you know, the images that we see. Um, and we are going to try and, and find an alternative way to sort of do this and not be part of this anymore. And I think the inclusiveness of it is also really important because, of course, the ideal is so extremely narrow. So we need to be, you know, very tall, white, young, and especially also the young in it, I think, is so interesting because um, if old or older was the ideal, then there's nothing we have to do. Because that just happens. It comes naturally. naturally. It comes yeah. naturally. So there's only one reason in that world why we worship youth so much, because we have to fight to hold on to it. And there's, therefore we need to, of course, you know, put on lots of By creams. creams and, yeah, yeah, and hair colour, work out, because we can't have sagging skin. We need to even have plastic surgery for our earlobes now. There's lots of things that we need it's to do. It's very necessary for mine. It, you, or mine too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Look, look, it's yeah. all... No, no, yeah. it's, it can't just happen like this. So... It takes all of our money in order to fight something that just happens naturally. If that wasn't the ideal, that's that's the only reason why, because it's something that we're losing and we're now also thinking about it in a way of losing it. Uh, whereas growing older, of course, is a big privilege and we're playing this game of life on a much higher level all the time and we're supposed to be really grateful, I think, that we're getting older. As opposed to that, we are saying, oh my God, I'm turning 44 in six weeks terrible like that's not terrible that's amazing it's a gift it's amazing I've learned more so we spend also so much brain power not just money time effort but also brain power thinking about this 
um, being feeling down about it, um, feeling very negative about ourselves, thinking about ways that we can change our diet, thinking about ways that we can change our body, whereas we could use that brain power in so much better ways to really create a much more equal, interesting world with innovative ideas. And it really holds us back and it holds us down. And I think that's a massive shame. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I'm thinking about, well, two things. And then I think we have to finalize um, this talking session. But two things I recall with my own company, company with Hatch, um, mm -hmm. we talk about the future of work and we offer trainings to companies um, around topics that we find it relevant, like becoming more courageous change makers in yes. your own company. And then we had to double check our own training videos because we're all about inclusivity. And sure. we realized at some point that there were only white people sure. in the training videos. And so it's, you really have to constantly double check yourself. Yes. Like we didn't just as yet sign your pledge, but maybe we should. Please, um, that'd be amazing. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting path to constantly reflect on yourself. Are we walking to talk? Yeah. Are we doing what we want to do? Because some of the things are so normative that you just don't see it anymore, yeah, right? true. And another thing that I was considering while you were th talking was I am recording a lot of these podcast episodes over the last weeks and many companies say, well, we're trying to do our very best and it's we're not doing it perfect yet, but we feel that companies perhaps have more power to change the future or the now than governments or individuals. Do you agree with that? Do you think they have an important role? Because Absolutely. you're critical about yes. them. But no, but they have a massive role. And I would not necessarily maybe say bigger, I say at least um, Just the same as, one. Yeah. Because when you see it as a triangle, you would have... And I don't necessarily say consumers, I say citizens, because we're being pushed into that consumer role yeah. so much. I want to sort of try and change our perspective of what they're we are. more than what we buy, right? So much more. You're so much more than what, you know, than that role, than a consumer. So we've got citizens on one hand, companies on the other hand, and government on the other. So that's a triangle that holds a sort of a balance, right? The interesting thing there for me is that we are all that. So all of us are citizens, Right. The citizens work at the companies. That's the same people. Those citizens vote for government or work at government. So all those roles, they're not like aliens or something. That's all us, which is amazing because that means we are all the time in positions of power within our particular field or role at that time to do something. Mm -hmm. It's all us, yeah. which is, I think, incredibly empowering to realize that that's not someone else or the other or I don't know even a different species it's all us we make this world the way it is now so we can also change it I mean, yeah. who else really so yeah they have a massive role this is very true and they can take a lot of responsibility because it's also their money and their profit so absolutely the way that they will change their behavior their responsibility their I'd say accountability and their transparency slash credibility will make all of the difference because they also have um, a lot of the times a lot of the money means to yeah. be able to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. My pleasure. Thank you so much for if having me. If companies do want to know more about the pledge, they can go yes. to? Um, my website, Marika Eichgott, it's my first name and second name, .nl. .nl. Yes, yeah. and there you will find the Sustainability Against Shame page. Uh, also on my Instagram, which is my name, Marika Eichgott, there's a highlight there, Sustainability Against Shame. And that's also for 
you know, all citizens who want to become part of this movement because it's as much, you know, everyone's movement as it is mine, uh, where you can share examples of shaming, but also of good examples. Like, how can we, you know, do that in a different way? And it's also very freeing and liberating because if you can't see it, you can't be it. So I'm, you know, sort of asking everyone to share all of it that we are not supposed to. So, you know, if you want to share, you know, pictures of yourself with... Uh, wrinkles with um, dark, you know, circles under your eyes, um, with armpit hair, as you know, I'm sort of starting to get a bit known for, which is quite interesting. Um, with grey hairs, with everything that it is that we're not supposed to have, that can be really liberating for everyone because it's not out there enough, and that means that we still are quite ashamed to sort of have it or be it ourselves. Whilst there's nothing more natural than just yourself. And then I think it, it might also be inspiring for companies because they can see the Billy example, Absolutely. how they can do something well, like yes. changing the norms yes. and, and also selling a product. And, selling pro and that's great. I think that is really, really important. And there's lots more examples of that in my book as well. This is a good guide for a sustainable lifestyle. So if people who are listening are interested in this, but also in other ways that they can sort of change you know, their behavior or make other choices, not towards perfection, but towards, you know, making your behavior and your choices matter mm -hmm. every day, uh, then there's lots of those kinds of examples, of but also other ways of Wonderful. doing that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you for listening <laughs> or watching to the episode of the Unmachine podcast. If you found this story inspiring, please do share it with your own network and get the ripple effect going. We need more future-proof leaders and organizations. You'd also make us really happy with a good, nice review in iTunes because that's how it works. It makes this podcast easier to find for others. Hope we'll see you next time. <laughs>